Financial anxiety for freelancers. Man, has that spiked during the coronavirus, as we're all hearing. We'll explain why this group's so vulnerable and also what this might have to do with you with help from financial psychologist and certified financial planner, Dr. Brad Klontz, on this episode of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I'm Joe Salcihai coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Dr. Brad Klontz coming to you from Boulder, Colorado. And this is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape like Dr. Brad Klontz. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And we do that in about 15 or 20 minutes. This episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated every day. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for a free trial and 20% off your first year. And you support the show when you use that link. It's uh, been a good time here hanging out with uh, Dr. Klontz. And we usually, we're usually on ep- opposite teams. So once they separated us and made sure that we were okay being in the same room, well, we're not really in the same room, in the same virtual room together, we're having a lot of fun. I think so. I think so. I'm also really happy that my taxes aren't due today, if you don't mind me saying. Trying to look on the bright side. This is this is this is tax day. Remember, we were all younger and naive, and this was tax day. Remember that, right? And we went to restaurants. Remember those days? That was crazy. Vaguely, yes. So we were talking about yesterday. You are a TikTok master. Uh, besides uh, being a professor and a certified financial planner, it's you are a Renaissance man, Doctor Klontz. Yeah, you know, I guess I'm trying to stay young. Um, although I feel pretty old on TikTok <laughs> when I read the comment section, they could be kind of cruel over there. So. Um, have good self-esteem if you're going to join us over there. Although I'd love you to, but there's there's terrible information going out to young people about financial planning, about stocks, about investing in general. And I tell you what, I'm super fired up to be over there to try to, to help people. And you can really shape young minds there. And they'll, they'll, I've had people tell me that I've, I've changed their entire, um, view of money. And I just get this sense that I'm helping correct some of the erroneous thinking that a lot of people have. And very often people are coming from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. They don't know anyone who, um, in, who has money, who has experience investing. And they're very vulnerable to these get rich quick, um, like day trading, by the way. I don't know if you know that that's back. It is back in, in full force. Oh, no. Um, and in scary ways, quite frankly. So oh. I'm, I'm actually pretty passionate about getting there and trying to um, sort of shift things a little bit. That's super exciting, man. That is really fun. So, and, and how do people find you on TikTok? Uh, Dr. Brad Klontz. Well, it's awesome. Uh, you'll see me with the eighties dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll find him on TikTok later. Right now we've got him right here. Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. This is Bethany from the Money Millhouse. The Money Talking Party starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. All right. This piece, uh, my partner Bobby picked, and this comes to us from Reuters, written by Chris Taylor. Your money freelancers have, quote, the perfect storm of anxiety because of COVID-19. The crisis 
posed by COVID-19 is worrisome enough for full-time employees. Imagine life as a freelancer. Your income can vary wildly from month to month and is likely being cut back as companies shave costs. Your check may come in the mail or it may not. Your health care is expensive or you may not be able to even afford it, which makes you even more terrified of the coronavirus. What amplifies the impact is that so much of society consists of independent workers and contractors. The gig economy now comprises 36% of the American workforce, people who undertake it some or all the time, according to a recent Gallup poll. It's a perfect storm of awfulness, according to Kat Kinsman, author of High Anxiety, Life with a Bad Case of Nerves. I love that title. About her mental health challenges and a freelancer for much of her career. One of our key psychological needs as human beings is the ability to think about a stable future, says author Johan Harry, who writes about the underlying causes of depression in his book, Lost Connections. So today, of course, financial insecurity is going to cause depression and anxiety, said Harry. People are right to be anxious. There's no easy solutions for gig workers in crisis, but here are some thoughts that might help. Put guardrails around your financial life. After being suicidal because of the anxiety of having a big tax bill, Kinsman put systems in place so her financial life would not spiral out of control again. She auto-pays as many bills as she can, automates her savings, gets receipts sent to her email, and takes pictures of deductible expenses to store in her phone. That way, very little is left to to, uh, choice. It's all muscle memory at this point, Kinsman said. Take the help. There are multiple levels of state, federal, local, and corporate response to the crises, so take advantage of those before depleting emergency funds. The federal stimulus also makes a special pathway for gig workers to receive unemployment benefits based on recent earnings, plus four months of additional payment up to $600 a week. It's administered through state unemployment assistance programs, so research local requirements. Buttress gig work with steadier part-time employment. Sarah Sarah B., you can help me with that last name if you want, (laughs) a Los Angeles resident who is a comedian, actress, TV writer, and author of Real Artists Have Day Jobs, suggests balancing gig work with something part-time but more stable, as she does in the digital marketing sector. That can hook you into positive elements like affordable health plans and help cover for slow months when independent gigs dry up. The interview was conducted before U.S. COVID-19 shutdown. Yeah, the piece goes on to talk about researching mental health course, uh, health resources and uh, just all of this super important right now. Uh, it's 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 funny, Brad. Most of most of our listeners I know are are not freelancers, and yet I think about the number of times that people change jobs today. It, it, I almost feel like we should think of ourselves as freelancers so we get over this anxiety of every time something changes that I have to go through this uh, this angst. Yeah. The other thing too that I think is, is true for many people are many people are looking for side hustles and side gigs. So they might already have um, full-time employment or part-time employment. So they're looking for other ways to have income sources. And Wow, if this time isn't a total testament to the value of having multiple streams of income, I don't, I don't know what is. Um, and you know, one of the one of the people interviewed in that study talked about um, maintaining a part time job while trying to go out on their own. And I got to tell you, I've been a huge proponent of that in my own life. I, I spent 10, 15 years building up side businesses before I let go of my steady paycheck um, because I'm, I'm frankly, I'm somewhat risk averse in that sense. Um, And I had, I have a family I wanted to take care of. So um, I think, I think that's one of the things we can take from this experience is this, this value of having those multiple streams of income. Does that decrease anxiety as well? Like writing down, what am I learning from this? 
I think so. I think so. You know, there's always an opportunity in the crisis, and that's that's kind of what we need to be looking for. And so perhaps you, for example, like I, I tweeted about this, like telling people that they should have had an emergency fund isn't really nice. Right. You know, it's like, okay, got it. Thanks. That's not very helpful. But on the other side of this, if you have experienced what it was like not having one, keeping you up at night, anxiety, worrying about what's coming tomorrow, and if you really let that settle in, and, and we talked a little bit last time we talked about blaming yourself, and um, we've done a lot of studies on ultra-wealthy people, the psychology of wealth compared to middle class and people of lower socioeconomic backgrounds, and this concept of blaming yourself, taking responsibility, is associated with higher net worth, more successful people, and so... I'm always looking for opportunities to blame myself. And so whatever sort of anxiety you're dealing with in this current crisis, there's tons of value in looking at um, if, if there was anything you did. And by the way, just assume there is. That's also really helpful too. assume that you helped help create this mess for yourself, um, because therein lies the gold for you to to um, to mine, harvest and set yourself right. So you're more protected next time something like this happens. So by the way, something like this is going to happen again. But it's interesting you say that because I feel the push societally is to always shift blame to somebody else, right? To not to not declare that it's my fault. Right. And, you know, just like back in 2008, there's plenty of blame to go around. Well, obviously, we can bring, blame a virus now. Right. Um, and that, that virus certainly does hold some responsibility. Um, and last time, though, we could have blamed, you know, greedy lenders or banks who are giving me money they shouldn't have loaned me. The only reason I bought that house that I can't afford is because that bank loaned me that money. There's tons of tons of targets for you to blame. Um, and sure, they all share blame, but none of that blame is helpful for you. What's really helpful for you is to try to take even more responsibility than perhaps you even deserve um, to uh, better protect yourself next time. And by the way, my life, my wife loves it on the days when I'm blaming myself for everything. I bet she, I bet she does. Well, and I think about it as, as a kid, right? I mean, there's, there's the, the old story with kids, they touch the hot stove once and they learn that that stove is hot. But, but part of that is we have to touch the stove to learn that lesson, or at least know the story of the stove to get there. So part of this is part of this failure. I think, you know, that we classify as negative. I don't want to fail. It, it seems like what you're saying is failing is a good thing. Absolutely. And there's a couple things on that. Number one, they've done studies on um, millionaires and the average millionaire will report approximately three like devastating financial failures in their lives. Hmm. The average non-millionaire slightly less than one. Now, we can make up a lot of stories around that, but obviously these millionaires who achieve self-made millionaire status have been failing a lot more. So whether they're taking more risks Perhaps they're dumber than the rest of us. I don't know, but they learn from those experiences. So there's tons of value in failure. So I, you know, fail, fail more often is my opinion. That's exciting. It's not about failing. Well, yeah, it's not about failing. It's about what you do after the failure that really makes sense. What you do with it, what you do with that failure. We do this live uh, uh, with uh, our friends on Facebook. If you want to hang out with us, it's facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins. That's the Stacking Benjamins Facebook page. Lori's hanging out with us. And she says freelancing, in addition to her W-2, is the best of both worlds. She says, I love my full-time job and the extra income streams help on my retirement funds. The side hustles are also a creative outlet. So it's, it's a win-win. This, this would be, if we're going to talk about glasses half full right now, Dr. Klontz, this seems like the, 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 the best time to be working on getting that side hustle moving. I absolutely agree. And, and you might even have more time to research it. So maybe yeah. there's been this burning desire you've had 
around creating a business or, you know, whatever it is, some online business. Um, and now's the perfect time to research it. Now's the perfect time to figure out how to build a website, to figure out how to execute on that. I, I totally agree with that. But, but you, you know, you said that you're incredibly risk adverse. You manage money for other people. Uh, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you look at things like being self-employed when you're risk adverse? Uh, I would think that you worry all the time. Yeah. So I, I think I'm much, I'm much more, um, aggressive when it comes to investments. I'm much more risk averse when it comes to income. Um, because I have kids, I have a wife, I, you know, I have a, I have a status, a life status that I am very attached to <laughs> maintaining. Um, and that partially comes from, I, I grew up in a lower socioeconomic um, environment. And I, you know, I, I don't want to go back there. It's yeah. not so much fun. Um, so, so I am much less, uh, much more risk averse in, in that area. And so for me, it's always been, and it also coincides with my desire to do a lot of different things. So I, I've always had a hard time picking one thing. And so I've always had three or four jobs and I probably always will. I, uh, I love what Annette says here with us. She says, just try something new. If it doesn't work out, try something else. What I like about that, Brad, is I, that I love this idea of thinking about my life as research, right? That I'm, that I'm keeping this learning mentality. I love that too. And, and, you know, one of the problems, this is making me think about one of the huge emotional catastrophes that people have. And it's quite often when they reach a goal, and they believe that this goal is somehow going to transform them. It's going to change the way they feel. It's going to make them happy, that kind of thing. By the way, your goals don't. So, so one of the worst things that can happen is achieving a goal that you've really stacked all this, this psychological weight on. Um, and I think it's when you talk about the research and the process, I mean, for me, the real joy in my work comes from the process of doing it. Um, and, and we have to find joy in that because there really is no joy in the result. There really is no joy in reaching that goal. Think back to the present you got as a kid for your birthday. It's like really awesome for a day or two, and then you forget about it. And this is sort of how we're wired. It's, it's that hedonic treadmill we all have. So for me, it's, it's immersing yourself in the, in the process. That's, that's where the joy is. I, I I love that because back when I was a financial planner, I was always frustrated with people that would felt like they would deny themselves everything now for this future that may never come. It was, it was so frustrating and you'd see it with two groups of people, uh, uh, in general, and you may see it with more, but, but I saw it with people when they were on a quest to quickly get out of debt and then they finally get out of debt and they felt like they were going to feel this big feeling of freedom and they felt nothing. And then they went back into debt again, uh, unless we could get them focused on the next thing. And then the second one was when, you know, and this is big in the, yesterday we talked about the fire movement on the show, a lot of people, you know, chasing early retirement, they felt like they get to retirement and they were going to feel like they're this different person and they get to retirement and they're showing up with all the same emotions and now without a job. Right. Without a job, without any friends, without right. a purpose in life. I mean, yeah. you basically, in some ways, rob yourself of all the things that are required for us to immerse ourselves in our lives and, and, and actually experience joy and happiness. And I think it's it's so, you know, it, it's so funny when you talk, Joe, about this with money and, and you talk about how, you know, money's not going to make you happier. Like everyone who hears that goes, oh, yeah, but they're doing it all wrong. You know, not me. Like if I won the lottery, I would show you how to do it. I would show you how to be happy. Now, so, so I know that everyone's thinking this, as I say, that more money won't make you happier, but it's actually true. <laughs> more money won't make you happier. And so what I, what, I, what I would really encourage you to do, and this is actually a perfect time to do it because we're in the midst of this crisis. Things are terrible. They're horrible. And if you can practice on going through your day-to-day life, 
finding joy, immersing yourself in, in, in wonderful experiences. And they're all around you. These opportunities are all around us. This is incredible practice for being happy throughout your life. If you want to be happy if as a, as a multimillionaire, you have to learn to be happy right now because otherwise you won't. You, you sound like Marie Kondo a little bit. You spark joy every day. I, well, I, isn't that a better way to go through the it day? It totally is a better way to go I through the day. So. I love it. Yeah. If it sparks joy, keep going. I really like that. I thought that was that was fantastic. And I interviewed another gentleman who uh, uh, had a similar philosophy, uh, Ken Honda. Uh, who who talked about that practicing gratitude and thinking about gratitude and how important that is, but the, and the other thing I like about that is that and I noticed the conversations you and I have had today, and also yesterday, Doctor Klontz really focuses on focusing on the piece of life that you can control, especially in this time when we feel like we can't control months. I, I, th- I think that's incredibly important. Absolutely, and and that's the research around anxiety talks about that too. It, it's looking at you know what can I control. Um, and the other thing too, is like to step back a little bit because your anxiety is basically built to keep you alive when something's going to kill you. Okay. So that's what your anxiety is meant for. It's a very great thing. I mean, you need to have some of that anxiety or, or, or you would have died a long time ago. So you need to have some of that anxiety, but it's also, it's important to keep things in perspective. Like, um, how much of a life changer is this for you? Even if everything goes bad, even if you lose your house, is it really going to kill you? You know, there's, as, as we talked about, you know, millionaires have had multiple failures, multiple massive financial failures. So maybe this is just your first or second one, you know, along a path of um, success for you. So keeping things in perspective, really important. I, 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 I'm reminded of this story. I'm a Disney fan and I re- remember the story of Disneyland is opening and you may have heard this already, but I'm sure people listening have, have not. He's, uh, uh, Walt Disney at the end was very, very much out of money as they were creating Disneyland. And he got most of the firms that they worked with to take on an equity deal where he gave up pieces of the park and promises of money later and all kinds of stuff as, as Disneyland was way over budget. And he's riding around this golf cart with, the chief engineer the day before it opens and of course Disneyland's opening was disastrous and and uh, the park was not ready and uh, the guy kept asking Walt Disney he said what 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 if this fails what if this what if this fails and Walt Disney turned to him and said I've been bankrupt a number of times it it isn't that big a deal (laughs) and it's exactly what you're saying yeah, I love that. I love that philosophy. Um, and also keep things in perspective. Like it, if you respond to this emotionally as if it's life or death, I mean, that's when that's what actually could kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's usually not what you're facing. Yeah. Uh, wise words. In just a moment, we're going to have our big takeaway here uh, for this piece on not just on freelancing, but really on facing so much uncertainty like freelancers do every day. One thing you can make certain, though, is tracking your money. And the way I like to track my money is with Tiller. Tiller is a fantastic place to track your money because it's based on a spreadsheet. I'm not really a spreadsheet guy. Are you a spreadsheet guy, Dr. Klontz? Um, I, I do like spreadsheets. Do you, yeah. I I wish I like spreadsheets more because most of my money nerd friends love spreadsheets. What I love about Tiller, though, is that where I am predisposed to use apps, I've never found an app that does everything exactly the way I like it. It usually has some annoying features. Well, with Tiller, I get the power of a spreadsheet so I can delete all the stuff I don't like and just keep the pieces that I like. And the cool thing is I don't have to create the spreadsheet from the ground up. That takes a lot of time. I feel a lot of anxiety around creating a spreadsheet 
spreadsheet that will work for me. Instead, there's a whole community of people that create spreadsheets so I can glean and use their spreadsheets and then cut out the stuff I don't like to get exactly what I want. And it's automatically updated every day from my investments, from my bank, from everywhere. So to check it out, you can check it out for free at tillerhq.com. But if you use tillerhq.com forward slash MWF and you decide to buy it, you'll get 20% off your annual subscription. So big thanks to Tiller. Uh, Dr. Klontz, what's our takeaway here? Um, I, I think that one of them is that anxiety, it's real. It, you're not going to be able to fight against it. It's just part of the process of being human in times of uncertainty. And there's tons of uncertainty. Um, and when markets go down, there's always uncertainty. We're not sure what's going to happen next. But try to keep your frame of reference. So that, that's one of the things I would, I would encourage you to take away. Like if you're looking at your, your income, if you're looking at what's happening in the stock market, just understand that, that your frame of reference in that point is within a matter of two, three months, maybe six months, maybe even a year. Life is so much longer than that. And we're going to get through this. We're absolutely going to get through this. We're going to get on the other side of this. Um, and so what I'd encourage you to do is, is think of your future self. So think of yourself a year or two years from now. Looking back to right now, what kind of person do you wish you had been? What do you wish you would have done? How do you wish you would have used this time? Knowing full well that this is all going to be over. Think about what you, what you could do to make the most of this time, whether it's being a better parent, a better partner, a better spouse, whether it's spending time looking into that business because you want to diversify your sources of income in the future. Looking at it from that lens, it, it actually is going to make, I'm actually kind of excited as I'm talking about it <laughs> um, because there's more I can do. So I think, I think that's a really helpful takeaway. I think that's incredibly helpful. And I think about focusing on those things that you can control and also getting those those demons out in the open that we worry about. I think the more we address those things and, and put them down on paper. I remember a coach telling me once, Dr. Klontz, that our brain is incredibly smart. And 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 and, and these fears that we have are real. And, and, and they're smart fears. They're not dumb fears. And we try to put them away and say these aren't valid is when we make a mistake. Instead, write them down. And as we write them down, what we find then is our brain is also smart enough to think, well, now that I've written down what the problem is, what's my solution? And your brain over the next series of days will come up with the things that you can control to help with that and 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 kind of give your brain a little credit. These aren't these aren't the fact that you are fearful of stuff just means that you should get it out in the open, look at it and create a strategy. Yeah, good stuff. But so besides TikTok, where you're dancing to the 80s and giving great financial advice, where else can people find you? Yeah, so uh, bradklontz.com, and um, I'm on all social medias, Dr. Brad Klontz. Yeah, and you will find, by the way, uh, uh, a link to uh, uh, Dr. Brad Klontz and all of our fantastic cast uh, on our on our show notes page at uh, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. Thanks a ton for hanging out with us again this month. Uh, sorry you didn't get to hang out with Bobby. I know that's way more fun for you, but uh, but I really enjoyed getting to hang out with you. You're not as bad as they say. I don't know I why know, they, they talk like that about you. I don't know either. I, I, I try to fight against it. On behalf of Dr. Brad Klotz, I'm Joe Salcihai. We'll see you again back here tomorrow with Kristen Wong on Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. 
for a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.